AOC sparks controversy by wearing a tax the rich dress to the Met Gala. All right, guys. Considering this story, AOC showing up at the Met Gala with a tax the rich gown is all over everybody's social media feed. You know, it doesn't matter which one. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Whatever your social media uh, poison is, you have all seen this story by now. Along with the story, you have seen the... <laughs> absolutely grand amount of leftist infighting that's going on if you want to call it left some would say left v liberal infighting with you know one half of people you know saying how awesome of a statement this is aoc is getting the word out about taxing the rich it's it's powerful it's provocative it's contentious she's stirring the pot she's going to the rich people ball and getting in their face with a uh, white dress and big red letters that say tax rates, you know, making the statement, oh, we're coming for your fucking money and all this shit, right? The other side, which I myself am leaning towards more, sees this as incredibly out of touch. Going to the Met Gala, wearing a designer dress, which, you know, they say was made by a, a woman of color, and that's great, but in reality, she's the, the wife of some rich-ass dude. It's worth like $100 million. He's like a descendant or an heir of the Lehman Brothers. So she shows up with this dress, apparently to make a statement, but, you know, a lot of us are seeing it as out of touch, right? We are in the middle of a pandemic, which has probably by now killed over 750,000 people in the United States. Uh, the eviction moratorium, which I did a video about recently, was just struck down by Supreme Court. So now we got millions of people about to be evicted out of their homes. You got corporate landlords buying up all these properties. You got unemployment benefits, the extra unemployment benefits coming to an end. This summer was one of the hottest on record, and we've seen insane weather events Heat waves out west that have created huge fires. Some places out west were so hot that it literally melted electrical cables. We had Hurricane Ida, which at the last count that I read, killed 82 people and did who knows how many millions of dollars in damage. Flooded New York City, like some dystopic day after tomorrow type shit. Drowned some people in their apartments, flooded the subways. Absolute insane shit. And we have AOC showing up at a rich person's ball, putting on a piece of political theater, while the issues in our in our country reach a, a boiling point and millions of people are suffering, they're sick, they're going homeless, their jobs aren't paying enough, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, that's the camp I'm leaning towards. You know, I've had an incredibly difficult life. Um, I've struggled with abuse, sexual abuse, poverty, parents being through addiction. You know, for me, the little bit of comfort and financial security that I've had, I've had to work my ass off. And I've, I've been through, you know, just about every imaginable form of abuse one can think of. I've seen firsthand the side effects of poverty. Uh, you know, myself, I have a dental condition because I can't afford to go to the dentist. You know, growing up, I saw, you know, both my grandma who raised me and my dad, who was also in the picture, you know, pulled teeth out of their mouth because they couldn't go to the dentist. I've seen my grandma forego necessary surgeries because she couldn't afford it. I saw both of them work, you know, 10 hour, 12 hour days just to have enough for us to pay rent. You know, and despite how hard they're working, not being able to get, you know, any assistance from the government because between the both of them, somehow they made too much money. You know, as a person that has seen firsthand the effects of, of poverty and, and not only how difficult it is to go through, but the sort of lasting consequences it's had on my psyche and the psyche of other people i know from the trauma that's associated with it you know coming from that perspective when i see a political star and that's what aoc is 
you could see it in her face. You could see it in the way she talks. You know, maybe she started out with these like greater intentions, but you've really seen the level of fame, the amount of followers on Twitter, the 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 mainstream media coverage that she's gotten. You can see that it's seeped into her brain. Is she still trying to do good things? Yeah, I, I think she's way better than half the Democrats out there. That's not even a question. That's not what I'm saying. But from a, a personal background of poverty, to see a bunch of rich people go to the Met, the, the legendary Met, and rub elbows and wear their designer clothes, which some of them, one outfit is worth this house that I live in, that I'm renting, <laughs> you know. To see them in their get-ups, Lil Nas X in his extravagant fucking cloak and suit of armor and everything else, get together and talk about, well, which peasants should we donate our extreme wealth to this year? You know, it, it's a place where a bunch of wealthy people get together and make decisions about what crumbs the poor get from their table. So to me, to see AOC show up at this event and rub elbows with these people and by her face, you know, just really relishing in the attention and seemingly feeling pleased that she's being embraced by these people and having this opportunity, it it rubs me the wrong way. And you could say I'm from a place of privilege because I'm white and I'm not a woman of color like this person here did. You're speaking from a place of privilege. AOC is a woman of color who had to do a lot to get where she is today. She's doing all she can. It's unacceptable for you to demonize her. Yeah, you know, like I said, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm white. I'm a handsome dude. I got a lot of privileges that... Obviously, people of color do not have. But in lieu of that, I did not come from a place of privilege. And I'm going to go ahead and make an assessment that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez probably had, despite her color and despite being a woman, probably had a, a lot more privilege and a lot more opportunities to succeed than I ever did. But whatever, last, this isn't about my opinion about AOC. This isn't a sob story about my life. I wanted to try to relate AOC showing up in the stress at the Met Gala, the infighting between the left or the left and the liberal base to a wider discussion about what progressivism means and how it all relates to this idea called capitalist realism. All right. But first, I want to make a statement about this event in general and AOC showing up to it. Okay. You know what? And for the sake of not being divisive, I, I get the stance that you're taking. I really do. That she's showing up, she's getting the message out, she's putting the middle finger to the rich people's face, she's you know getting people to hashtag tax the rich, rich and uh, talk about tax the rich. I, I, I get it. You could make a case that that's a positive thing, that she did a positive statement with this, she, she turned heads, etc., etc. But to me, it just feels like cheap theater. It's not political activism. And for instance, I don't know if you guys saw this article here, but outside the Met Gala, there was several Black Lives Matter protests that ended up getting harassed by the police and detained. So seeing that's going on, you know what to me would have been a better statement from AOC, a, a better uh, political message would have been if she got invited to this Met Gala, said that she was going to go, and then went on the red carpet, you know, they, they roll out that fucking fancy red carpet for all these bourgeois motherfuckers, right? If she would have came in regular clothes or her regular, uh, you know, uh, pantsuit or whatever she wears when she's 
uh, when Congress is in session. She shows up. She's like, I was invited to this event, but uh, you know, I'm rejecting this sort of wealthy philanthropy as an answer to our country's immense problems. We need to tax the rich. We need to, you know, have a new focus on how our economic system should run, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, do you, and then gets the cameras if she could. I know the mainstream media is a fucker. Gets the cameras to look over at those protesters that were right outside of the Met Gala and be like, I'm going to be over here protesting with these Black Lives Matter folks. I'm going to be here making a stand with them. And then dips out of that. That Now, that to me, that would have been an awesome act of activism. That would have been an amazing message. And, you know, if the, if the mainstream media didn't want to pick it, up, pick it up, she's got a huge social media following. She could have live streamed that from Twitch, man. That would have been the fucking move. That would have been encouraging. That would have started a real discussion about race and about wealth inequality. And what gets me about this, too, is, like, I just, I don't, I just, it's weird, like, you can't explain this to people. Like, they can't, you can't, I don't get how people don't see the the irony of, like, showing up to this cultural institution which reflects our class system, wearing a tax-rich dress, and, and, and rubbing elbows with them and stuff like that, like I said. I just, I don't get how people don't see the irony of being a working class candidate, a working class voice advocating for, you know, deep systemic change in our society and then showing up to the sort of philanthropic event that wealthy people use as a scapegoat not to pay taxes, not to actually contribute to society, despite whatever message she had on her dress. It just seems out of touch to me. It seems incredibly ironic. And for me, I don't know how people don't see that. And getting now into her political career. You know, AOC got into the spotlight by ousting Crowley in New York, a Democratic establishment candidate. You know, she she did that by campaigning on Medicare for all, $15 wage, all these things that which at the time were extremely radical for the mainstream political consciousness. And therein, I find the the wholesale issue with progressivism, the wholesale issue which leads me to believe in my heart when I think about it, that progressivism is something of an abject failure. Because she got into office campaigning all these things. Being anti-establishment, she said she was going to force a vote. She said she was going to do all these things. You know, she's real militant, showed up at the border facilities and, and uh, protested against that, families being split up and stuff. And now slowly but surely over the last few months, we have seen her warm up to Nancy Pelosi, warm up to other establishment candidates. And you can see, I've literally seen uh, somebody that like went through her tweets and like compiled the amount of time she talked about things like M4A and a fight for 15. Just go down, 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 down. And a lot of people will say that you got to be pragmatic. You got to take what you, what you got to get. But for me, that's not what progressivism was about. That's not what Bernie Sanders was about. That's not what, you know, Justice Democrats was about. That's not what winning these elections was about. And I, and I think that's the case for a lot of people. I think that's how a lot of people feel. We voted for these people. We advocated for these people. We knocked doors. I did for Bernie in 2016 and 2020. For other Democrats that were maybe a little less progressive because I believed in building a coalition. Many of us believed that the point was to be militant against these people, not to befriend them for scraps. So we're seeing this slow whittling away of the promises that progressivism made, of the fire that made the progressive movement gain momentum, that got these people into office. We got all these promises, 
promises to, at bare minimal, fight in a militant fashion and not rub elbows and be buddy-buddy with these people. And now we see it just slowly going downhill. Less and less. Oh, less and less. Make concessions. Make concessions. How many concessions are we going to make until we're right back at the status quo? And going back to that multi-trillion dollar you know, infrastructure bill. It's bullshit, man. Yeah, there's a lot of good things in it. You know, uh, increasing the age of uh, Medicare. Putting elder care in a right, child care is a right, if it goes through. But what that is, is scraps. It's scraps that the ruling class are willing to part with temporarily in order to get us to simmer down with our anti-capitalist sentiment. Because the wealthy realize that after the 2020 election, after the 2020 fallout, after the Black Lives Matter summer, after this pandemic, that more and more people, millions upon millions of people, are becoming militant against capitalism. The, you know, Bernie Sanders was the compromise with this system. And now we're not even getting those compromises. We started on a foothold of compromise. And now it's just being withered down more and more. And the ruling class realizes that more and more of us, as I said, are becoming militant. We're outright socialists. We're outright uh, communists. We want to move away from capitalism. They understand that, and they know that they have to throw us a bone, that they have to throw scraps as little as possible to take away revolutionary zeal from the movement. And, you know, for me personally, every time I see an individual on the left or a radical liberal or whatever you want to call it, standing for a politician that is not even trying to fulfill their promises anymore, I can feel in my heart each time I see that, that the movement loses steam. This is what they wanted out of you. They want you to just be okay with more and more compromises. Stop thinking about radical change. Stop thinking about revolution. Just take this because that's all you're going to get. Just settle down. And going along with that, that's what this, that's what this dress is. You know, they, those people invited her to go to that. The tax the rich slogan, which, you know, 10 years ago would have just been absolute insanity in the mainstream of American politics. That's become okay now. And yeah, I guess that's an improvement. I guess that's an improvement. But tax the rich is another playstation. It takes away the concept of radical change in this country. They know, like I said, that we're militant against capitalism anymore. We don't want this system at all. We don't want to reform it. We want to get rid of it and build a new one. So they're like, oh shit, no, 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 no. Calm down, calm down. Calm down. Just, we'll pay some taxes and give you some shit. How about that? If we, if we pay taxes and give you some shit, Will you just settle down a little bit, okay? That's what they want. And also this dress, the tax the rich dress, is a great example of how insidious capitalism is. The way that it will commodify everything. And that goes along with the capitalist realism that I'm going to describe to you here in a second. Capitalism has this way, it can take anything and commodify it. It can make it into a brand to sell, a, a piece of merchandise to sell. Entertainment to sell. It's so capable of doing this that it will take revolutionary zeal and brand it into a product that you will buy. AOC's dress is an example of that. It's no longer anti-capitalist to, to sport statements like tax the rich. It's a reinforcement of capitalism. And that therein is the, the crux of what capitalist realism is. And how progressivism, people like AOC, people like the squad, they play the role of controlled dissent. The acceptable dialogue of controlled uh, dissent has gone, you know, a little bit more leftwards with tax rates. That's okay to talk about now. But progressivism, these sort of very increasingly mild reforms 
plays the role of making us believe that it is impossible to move beyond capitalism, that an alternative system is impossible. The very best that we can hope to do is reform the excesses of capitalism and make it a little bit better for the average person. And I want to read to you a little something about the definition of capitalist realism. It'll paint a little bit of a clear image of what I'm talking about and how progressivism and characters like AOC feed into this idea that it's impossible to move beyond capitalism. The best we can do is try to reform it. It says here, Capitalist realism propagates an idea of the post-political in which the fall of the Soviet Union both solidified capitalism as the only effective political economic system and removed the question of capitalism's dissolution from any political consideration. This has subverted the arena of political discussion from one in which capitalism is one of many potential means of operating an economy to one in which political considerations operate solely within the confines of the capitalist system. Similarly, within the frame of capitalist realism, mainstream anti-capitalist movements shifted away from promoting, promoting alternative systems and toward mitigating capitalism's worst effects. Going on with this, Fisher regards capitalist realism as emerging from a purposeful push by the neoliberal right to transform the attitudes of both the general population and the left towards capitalism and specifically the post-Fordist form of capitalism that prevailed throughout the 1980s. The relative inability of the political left to come up with any alternative economic model in response to the rise of neoliberal capitalism and the concurrent Reaganomics era created a vacuum that facilitated the birth of a capitalist realist system. The collapse of the Soviet Union, which Fisher believes represented the only real example of working non-capitalist systems, further cemented the place of capitalist realism both politically and in the general population, and was hailed as the decisive final victory of capitalism. According to Fisher, in a post-Soviet era, unchecked capitalism was able to reframe history into a capitalist narrative in which neoliberalism was the result of a natural progression of history and even embodied the culmination of human development. Now, how does this relate to the dress? How does it relate to the commodification of revolutionary action of anti-capitalist sentiment. According to Fisher, capitalist realism has so captured public thought that the idea of anti-capitalism no longer acts as the antithesis to capitalism. Instead, it is deployed as a means for reinforcing capitalism. This is done through media which aims to provide a safe means of consuming anti-capitalist ideas without actually challenging the system. The lack of coherent alternatives, as presented through the lens of capitalist realism, leads many anti-capitalist movements to cease targeting the end of capitalism, but instead to mitigate its worst effects. And therein is the crux of it. That, to me, is the issue with progressivism as it stands now, and that therein is why we see the gradual peeling back of promises from progressives. You know, the progressive movement you could say started with Bernie Sanders, but in reality, it started back during the Occupy Wall Street after the 2008 financial crash. At that time period, it was very militant anti-capitalist. The destruction of the financial sector, 
find you know despite having a a proper channel to go through it was a a deep sentiment that we can move beyond capitalism you had workers that would you know sit down in their buildings and take them over and and during that time actually a few workers took over the uh the business and ended up continuing to run it for themselves then you had bernie sanders which gave people a you know a funnel to go through and it was great. I'm not trying to condemn that. It woke a lot of people up. It woke me up to being an anti-capitalist. But after his falling out, the continuation of progressivism became weaker and weaker. And in that way, it's no longer about being anti-capitalist. It reinforces capitalism because it says, oh, yes, capitalism is fucked up. It does all this shit. It exploits people, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? We can't do any better. The best you can hope for is to vote for people like AOC or the squad, and they'll try to get you a little bone at the table, these rich fucks. And you know what? I get it. People, because of capitalist realism, because of the indoctrination that our society pushes on us, the idea that we, like, you can't even imagine a system anymore going beyond capitalism, something different, something better, something more egalitarian. You can't even imagine it. You know, in the media and entertainment, and all these different things, our education system reinforces that idea. You know, from cradle to grave, reinforces that idea. So I get it. I, I, I get why people lean towards progressivism, lean towards gradual reforms. And you know what? I'm not entirely against that. You know, in lieu of an outright general strike and a complete shutdown of the economy and a taking over the country and a rewriting of the Constitution and a rebuilding of our economic systems from the ground up, I get it. We got to do the best we can. You can make the argument AOC is doing the best she can. But here's the issue. Like I read with that comment that someone gave me that I don't have a right to criticize AOC. That's the issue. Okay? So many people on the on the left, the American left or whatever you want to call it, the radical liberals as I would prefer to call it, make this claim that you cannot criticize politicians. You cannot criticize politicians that are trying to do anything. That it is somehow wrong to demand more, to expect more. To be offended by a trivial theatrical political gesture like she did at the Met Gala. To be disappointed, to be infuriated, to demand more than the scraps that they're trying to give us. To be upset that I was promised Medicare for all and now at best, in her words, we will get a public option. That's the thing I have an issue with. You know, I'll probably continue to vote for progressive Democrats because I don't have any other viable opportunity. If I did, I would vote a different way. If I saw a lasting movement or a, a movement building that was going to lead towards a general strike, I'd encourage that. I do what I can by uh, doing this broadcast, putting out different ways of thinking. I'm a dues-paying member of several leftist organizations, including the CPUSA, the Communist Party of the United States. So yeah, I get it. Progressivism is our best is our best hope right now. But we can't have this weird ideologue culture that AOC can do no wrong, that the squad can do no wrong. That we don't have a right as a people that are oppressed economically and politically to demand more, to hold their feet to the fire. AOC's not your friend, man. The squad's not your friend. Paul Bernie Sanders isn't your friend. These aren't your friends. They're a lot better than most Democrats, yeah. But that doesn't mean you got to forgive them from every single thing. That doesn't mean that you don't demand more. That you don't. That you lose hope in your heart that we can move beyond a system like this. Because the moment we start doing that, the, the moment we start giving in to this capitalist realism, we start letting it into our subconscious, that we start to truly believe that there is no other option than this, is the moment that we've already lost. And for me, I hold on to hope. I demand, I demand more. 
I envision more. I know that mankind as a whole is capable of more than running its whole society for the profit of a few. I know we can do that. I see it in my heart. I see it in the hearts of others. And the thing that continues to give me hope, despite the what I would call an abject failure of progressivism, a complete reel back of progressivism, the thing that gives me hope in my heart is while I do see you know more and more people Leaning the AOC camp, the progressive camp, the establishment camp being like, well, this is the best we can do. You know, The more I see that, yeah, that's upsetting. But for every one person I see moving that way, I see two or three more moving hard left. Seeing what's being done to them. Understanding that it's bullshit. Understanding and desiring in their heart more than anything else, even more than their own well-being, that we can and must and will move beyond this system. And I'm ranting, guys. I know, I'm thinking out loud. That's the name of the show. But that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me feeling hope in my heart and moving forward and continuing to do stuff like run this channel. But yeah, guys, that's really all I have for you. Um, You know, I'm sure you're sick of seeing this already. I was all roped up into the fighting and the online arguments and the back and forth, and it completely exhausted and fucked up my day yesterday. So, you know, maybe this video wasn't your cup of tea. Maybe I didn't do the best job executing it. But I wanted to try to take this, you know, big publicity stunt, this fighting that's going on on the left, and try to tie it to something bigger. To try, try to tie it to a bigger ideological discussion that's going on in the political spectrum right now in the United States. But yeah, guys, as I said, that's all I have. You know, drop a comment. Let me know what you think about the dress. Was it a good move on AOC's part? Did it feel out of touch and gross to you? Do you agree with me about this uh, sense, about this discussion of capitalist realism and how it helps to play state revolutionary movements so that we don't demand more, so that we don't demand a moving beyond capitalist systems? Drop a comment. Let me know what you think. But yeah, guys, until next time, as always, it was great hanging out with you, and I'll speak with you again soon. Bye. Yes, I know.